Welcome to the Sooner Schooner Show, a proud member of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm Eric G. from 97.1, the sports animal in Tulsa. And do us a huge favor. If you're listening to this show, take a second, stop, rate us five stars, and then write a review. Maybe you can kind of look into your crystal ball and write what you think you're going to hear on this show. Or you may have listened to one of the shows in the past. Either way, we want you to let us know how we're doing and constructive criticism, always welcome. And five stars certainly would be appreciated. And if you do both of those things, take a picture of it and send it to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. We'll hook you up with a Heartland College Sports koozie. And as you get ready to head out onto the lake or hang out by the pool here in the next few weeks, we'll make you happen. We'll make it happen for you in style with that Heartland College Sports koozie. Coming up on today's show, obviously we'll do a review of the spring game, and I'll tell you the best things and the most alarming thing that happened out in Norman this past Saturday. We'll also take a look at the transfer portal. And what's going on at Colorado and compare it to kind of what went on last year at OU when Brent Venables had to come in and save the program from a mass exodus. This one uh, with Deion Sanders being more spurred on by him. So let's jump into what happened last Saturday. We've got the spring game down at Norman or we had the spring game down at Norman. And if you're looking for that hardcore review, again, there are lots of shows that are going to give you that hardcore review. But here are my biggest takeaways from it. One, nobody stood out. That's right, I said it. There wasn't a single player that popped. Now, that's not to say that there were certain guys that didn't have some good plays, most notably Peyton Bowen with that interception. Although, for as good as a move that was for Peyton Bowen to make and turn around and catch that thing like he was a receiver, and he certainly got his flowers from Jeff Levy, the OU offensive coordinator, It can't be denied that Dylan Gabriel underthrew that ball. And had Gabriel thrown it where it was supposed to go, Peyton Bowen doesn't make that play. And that's not to take anything away from Peyton Bowen. It's more to highlight Dylan Gabriel still needs to work on what he's doing when he's chucking the ball downfield. So when you're looking for your guy, when you're looking for your receiver, just make sure you hit him and don't put it in a place where the only person who can make a play on it is a defensive back. And then you had the pass that Peyton Bowen knocked down again. I just didn't think it was a very well-thrown ball. All that being said, you need a guy like Peyton Bowen in the secondary, and you need a guy that can take advantage of quarterbacks making mistakes. And I kind of liken it to this, okay? And you might think I'm getting on Dylan Gabriel. Let's face it. Every quarterback in the Big 12, every quarterback on OU's schedule is going to make mistakes. OU's not facing a single quarterback this year that makes you shake in your shoes. And for me, when a defensive back does what Peyton Bowen did, it's the equivalent of a batter taking advantage when a pitcher leaves one hanging out over the plate. What do you do? You send that sucker into the seat. Well, if this guy's going to underthrow a ball or overthrow in some cases, catch it. (laughs) Give your team and give your offense an opportunity to get out on the field. So it wasn't all bad, and even if it sounds like Dylan Gabriel's getting ripped here, he's really not. He's just got some things to work on. As far as as Dylan Gabriel goes, I thought he looked really good running the ball. And, And that's where his biggest asset comes, is him being able to run the ball, make plays with his legs, 
and then while he's making a play with his legs, being able to make a play with his arms. Jackson Arnold on the 60-yard or whatever it was, touchdown run that was or wasn't. I guess it was, according to Jeff Levy and all of us in the press box, but it wasn't, according to Brent Venable. Again, showed some explosiveness. And let's, and let's remember what was really impressive about that play about him making that run, is that he's playing behind the second unit offensive line, and the offensive line as a whole is really banged up. And he'd already had a couple of passes knocked down, and you were kind of wondering whether or not OU was going to show anything in the run game. They did, but it was with both of the quarterbacks. That was the most interesting thing about that. When it came to the running backs, Tawi Walker was the guy that really, for lack of a better term, he's the guy that jumped to me. He's not the best guy on campus. That's still Gavin Sawchuck. But when you've got two of your best guys out, you need someone to step up and be able to fill that void. And what I felt with Tywee Walker, especially since OU really couldn't run the ball with that banged up offensive line, I figure by the time we get to fall, OU was gonna be OU was gonna have a better offensive line. They should be able to run the ball pretty darn effectively. If something were to happen to Marcus Major, if something were to happen to Barnes, if something were to happen to Sawchuck, this is a guy that could fill that void. OU needed him. OU needs depth everywhere they can possibly get it. And the one place we do know they have it is running back. They may have it at quarterback. Um, beyond three deeps, a little tough to say, but I didn't think Davis Bevel was terrible on Saturday. Remember, this is a guy, remember what you're judging him against or what we're judging him against here. We're judging him against a guy that looked pretty inept when he was called on to do the job when Dylan Gabriel set yesterday. The spring game itself, when you're bringing coaches out to catch passes via the jugs gun, which was fun for the players, and it was a, it was a laugh for the family, and you're using that to add points to one side or the other, it speaks to just how much coaches don't take this game very seriously. The, the complex the, the complex scoring system that Brent Venables had set up, he even put the brakes on during the game because he understood it was too complex and also understood that it gave the defense a little bit too much of an advantage. And, you know, they were going to score about 100 points if you didn't do something about it. You know, having the fans come out, you know, run the 40-yard dash to give points to one side and the kick, all that. Just tells you coaches don't take it seriously. And, and, and the real reason that coaches want this game, and we said it last week, is to get you in the stands. They, they'd like to get as many of you as they could. Oh, you didn't get quite 70000 It was 54000 and some change. They just want to get you out there. They want to get recruits out there. They want to show people that that there is still interest in the program. And if you're a recruit and you come here, they care enough about a scrimmage that they'll show up, and they obviously care enough about what's going to happen on game day they'll show up. So you'll get to play in front of great crowds in the case that there isn't a better atmosphere than what's going on at Oklahoma. That's what that's what all this is about. And to, to your credit as the fans, you showed up. You did exactly what you were supposed to do. You made a major difference in that. And what's so annoying... But understandable about this about the spring game is there isn't an event at OU attendance-wise that's more dependent on weather. And I bet if you were to poll most of the people around there, they were from Norman. And what happens a lot of times is people make plans to go, 
They get up, they see it's a little cold, maybe it's going to be rainy. They don't want to sit out in the cold and the rain on a on an April day for a scrimmage. Now, hey, come November, you sit in the freezing freaking cold, you'll go through a sleet storm to watch OU play Nebraska back in the 80s or watch OU play Oklahoma State now. Yeah, you'll go through that. You'll even pay good money to do it. But for a spring game, probably not. If it's a little too hot, maybe you decide to do something else. But for the weather not not being as nice as it could have been, yeah, 54000 overall good. I did say there was something alarming about the spring game. And while I would give the overall, oh, you want the grade, right? You want the grade, like my old program director said at the point nine. Um, give people an answer. Okay, make sure you give people an answer. Even if you're lying, give them an answer because that's what they want. Don't be truthful. If you don't have anything to say, don't be truthful. You just give them an answer. Okay, so you want the grade. Here's the answer. And you're going to love this. Incomplete. That's what OU is as a football team. They're incomplete right now, and they will be incomplete pretty much for the most part of next year until we see them get past the Texas game. And if you can get past Texas with a win and the tackling can stay as improved as it looked on Saturday, then you'll be a good football team. But other than that, you can't give them anything but an incomplete. Too many guys hurt and out on Saturday. And your biggest addition to the team, or one of your biggest addition, uh, additions, Brennan Thompson, didn't even play in the game. He just got on campus just recently. Um, I'm actually excited. Okay, I'm excited about this kid because of his speed. Now, granted, he only played nine games last year for Texas, only caught one pass, but that one pass, that 32-yard catch in the Oklahoma State game, showed you that this guy's got some quicks. He's got a little bit of explosiveness. He's that rare combination of speed and quickness where you can do a lot with on the field. Kind of makes you wonder... You know, why he didn't get more of an opportunity at Texas than what he did. I mean, one catch, nine games, guy with that kind of speed, I'd try to get get it to him a little bit more because he looks like he can make some things happen. Uh, as far as the tight end goes, this Hampton Fay kid, he's interesting. To me, he's interesting. Again, OU needs depth, and if he can help you with depth in the passing game as a tight end, great. But he really, it's a weird deal to me. Started off as a quarterback. Went to Michigan State, didn't play as a quarterback, switched to tight end, didn't play as a tight end. So I don't think anybody really knows anything about this kid. I don't even think the coaches really know anything about this kid. It's like, hey, we'll give him a scholarship. He's big enough. He's closer to home, being the fact that he is a Texas kid. And we'll just see what he can do. That, that That's the assessment. Okay, but the alarming thing from the spring game. All right, so as I put it off long enough, was Brent Venable's speech before the game. And the, the, the thing that got a lot of attention is when Brenton Venables said that people who say a spring game isn't important really don't have a football program that's important or something to that effect. To me, that was the bluster. What caught my attention was when he talked to the alumni and had them stand goal line to goal line or as close to goal line to goal line as possible and urged the alumni to have an unbreakable faith in what OU's doing. That scared me. Because those words scare me. When you're asking people to have an unbreakable faith, and then you start talking about how the opponents will try to divide you. Well, who are the opponents that he's talking about? And is he talking about Cincinnati? Is he talking about Brigham Young? Is he talking about Texas? Is he talking about Arkansas State? 
No, I think the opponents that Brent Venables is talking about there are the people who are the critics of the program in the current state that it's in now. And what he needs from the alumni is to stand behind him no matter what because he believes he's doing the right thing. He believes that even if this year isn't up to OU standards, he can still get it turned around and he wants them, the alumni, to speak for him when people start calling for his job. That's the way it played out. It smacked of desperation to me. That's the way it came across. Now, was that the intended message? Well, that's up to interpretation. And you would think with Brent Venables that wasn't the interpretation, but so, or, or that wasn't the message he was trying to send. But sometimes it's not about the message. It's about how it comes across. And that was not a good look for OU. It was not a good look a- at all for Brent Venables. When you believe you are in control of a program, you are quiet, you are confident, and people just have this understanding of this guy knows how to get things done. Nick Saban doesn't have to go out and give a speech like that. You know, Bob Stoops never had to give a a speech like that, at least not after 2000. He didn't have to give a, a speech like that. Brent Venables, unfortunately, does have to give a speech like that. And when you do... It sets off all sorts of bells and whistles. And what we have to wonder is if Brent Venables can actually run a program. Is he good at running a program? He's a hell of a defensive coordinator. But being a defensive coordinator and running a program are two different things. And I'll tell you exactly why that is coming up next here on the Sooner Schooner Show. This is the Sooner Schooner Show, a proud member of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm Eric G. We were talking about Brent Venables and running a program versus just being a great offensive coordinator or a great defensive coordinator. And where I give Lincoln Riley a lot of credit is I thought Lincoln Riley did a pretty good job of running the OU football program. Did he concentrate way too much on offense for my liking? Yeah. But you knew recruiting was going to be taken care of. Um, you also knew that he, he did a great job of surrounding himself with good people who could help market OU and help really appeal to recruits. He knew how to think young. And I'm not saying Brent Venables doesn't know how to do that, but I still get the feeling that Brent Venables is much more comfortable taking a bunch of guys and coaching them or drawing up defensive schemes versus dealing with like the day-to-day operations of having to meet with an athletic director or parents or whoever. Actually, I don't think he has any problem meeting with parents. All right, let me correct that because the dude... Does I, it, it Look, once he gets in front of you, the guy can be really infectious. So I'm sure he's great with recruits and with parents. And on Saturday, we waited a long time to talk to him because he was dealing with recruits, which, hey, that's all right. That's his job. It's what he should be doing. Uh, but again, going back to when you're asking for people to run, to, to have an unbreakable faith in what you're doing, it almost tells me that you're not in control of this entire situation. And one of the most alarming things that we've seen in politics over the last few years, and I'll just touch on this, is that, and this goes back a ways, this isn't exactly a recent phenomenon, but there's this um, class of politician that they don't really do anything. Uh, and, and, and they're from both sides of the aisle, so I'm not, I'm not picking on you know either side, but they get elected, and then what do they do? They hit social media, they hit the TV channels, they, they say a lot of stuff, but they don't really pass any legislation. It's on both sides of the aisle, okay? So I'm not picking on one. We know who they are, and I don't have to soil this podcast by bringing up their names. But 
Like we we deserve a better class of co- a politician than what we got because we want people to do stuff, right? Okay. Well, that's what we want from our head coach. We want him to do stuff. We want him to delegate. And is is Brent Venables that guy? I don't know. I want him to be. I really want him to be because he's a much easier guy to root for than Lincoln Riley, and he's so dadgum likable. But I just don't know where this OU program is right now. And maybe maybe we get some better answers in the fall, and then maybe we can feel better about going into the Southeastern Conference. And certainly do feel a lot better about OU right now than I do in Colorado. And I'm, as I'm sure you've seen, the mass exodus is going on down in Boulder. Or up in Boulder, depending on where you are. If you live in Laramie, Wyoming, it's down in Boulder. If you're here, it's west. Um, and with with Dion, like what have they said? Like 41 kids have gone into the portal since he joined Colorado, and you've got players saying that they can't get their film, and other players saying that you know they told me I was good, but I just wasn't good enough to play here. Parents are starting to have an issue. You're down to 20 something. 20-something total scholarship players. And I got news for you. There aren't enough players in the transfer portal to replenish that many to give you the depth you need to get through the schedule that he's playing this year. Colorado is in trouble because Deion Sanders has created a toxic environment. You compare that to OU last year when Brent Venables came in, and yeah, you had a mass exodus, and OU lost some guys to, to USC. But it wasn't because of Brent Venables. I mean, maybe it was. Maybe somebody just didn't want to play for Brent Venables when they heard he was going to be the head coach and they wanted to play for Lincoln Riley. But unlike Dion, Brent didn't come in telling kids, I'm going to kick you off the team. I'm bringing my guys in. I'm going to do everything I can to bring my guys in and get and get the garbage out of here. And OU was a mirage when... when when Brent came in, okay? They weren't as good as their records said they were that last year under Lincoln Riley. Brent knew it, but Brent also knew in order to build the foundation of a program, you need bodies. You need kids who can play at the FBS level. And even if they're not exactly designed for your system offensively or defensively, it's better to have them than not have them. It's better to have somebody you something you can build off of Versus tear something down and have to start from scratch before the season starts over. And where the transfer, what there's two sides to this transfer portal, but one thing remains constant in these in these two sides is it's too easy for kids to jump into it, and more importantly, it's too easy for coaches to push them into it. And that's something my friend Anthony Fogle, who's who played for OU and played in the NFL. Uh, with the Jets and the Packers has always told me during his time at OU, especially during the Schnellenberger era, or uh, year, I guess it wasn't so much an error. Uh, well, it was an error, but it wasn't an era. Is that, yeah, they would do their best to run off kids they thought they made mistakes on. Okay? And in that time, they had to sit a year. At least this time, they don't have to sit a year. But think about this. You're a coach. It's your responsibility. You brought them on campus. And if they're not living up to your expectations or you don't think that they can play at that level, then it's your job to get them better and prepare them as best you can because there was something about them that you thought worthy of giving a scholarship. Or in Dion's case, something thought somebody thought enough of them, somebody else thought enough of them to give them a scholarship. 
and maybe they're not your guy, but the but in, unless a guy is being a, a pain in the butt, okay, unless he's not going to class, unless he's not paying attention, unless he's showing up late, he's not working hard, he's just he's just being lazy, okay. If a kid comes out, bust his butt for you, does what Montana Lamonius Craig does in the spring game, which shows out. And I'm not sure Colorado wanted to get rid of him. I know Arkansas is knocking on his door. I want him to come to OU just because I love his name. Montana Lamonius Craig. Love that name, Montana. Lamonius Craig is a great hyphenated last name. Would love to be able to say his name every week. Okay, I digress. Back on back on the path here. But unless they have done something that warrants being kicked off, if they've given you everything they got and they're just not good, okay, just because you don't make, just because you don't think you can win with them, that's no reason to take away their scholarship. That's just not, and, and honestly, that's low rent. And, and I'm very disappointed in Deion Sanders and his coaching staff to do this, but I guess it's just the norm in college football, and it's a rough sport, and you just have to learn how to deal with it as a fan, as a player. And as long as I guess we don't care how the sausage is made, we'll get to enjoy the product every Saturday, but. It's pretty disgusting to, to read all this. Look, I don't wish any ill will on Deion Sanders, but I do think it's funny if some of his better kids just decided they didn't want to play with him after he came in guns a-blazing. And I'm glad a guy like Brent Venables didn't do that when he came to OU, which tells me that Brent Venables is a class guy. And for that, I can root for him and hope that OU kicks a major ass next year. That wraps up this week's show. I was about to say today's show. Well, I guess it is today's show. Uh, wraps up this week's show. Uh, remember, please rate us five stars, write a review, take a picture of it, send it to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. That's Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. And get yourself a koozie uh, for uh, the pool or the lake or, hey, just, just home viewing when football comes up this year. And may God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And to paraphrase Don Cornelius, Love, peace, and boomer sooner.